Hello, my name is Matthew Pfeiffer. Thank you for joining Toxic to Triumph. In this episode, I'll talk to psychiatrist Dr. Kojo Safaro. We're going to be talking about ADHD and the impact mental health has on relationships. Looking forward to having this conversation with you, and I will talk to you soon. Hello, thank you for joining Toxic to Triumph. My name is Matthew Pfeiffer. Today I have on a very special guest, Dr. Kojo Sarfo, out of newly to Los Angeles, uh, LA, California. Uh, and he is a psychiatrist who specializes, I know he specializes in ADHD because uh, I wish he were my doctor, he were here in Dallas, but uh, unfortunately he's a little bit too far from me and he's not licensed here. Um, but he's someone that, spe- that uh, has really opened my eyes to the world of ADHD, the impacts that uh, that, has on, uh, that it has on relationships and toxic relationships and the comorbidity there and, uh, and, and other functionalities and other uh, diagnoses as well. Uh, so, Dr. Kojo, if you can introduce yourself, and uh, I know you deal with with ADHD, but what else do you deal with? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. For sure. Okay. Thank you so much for having me on, uh, first and foremost. So, uh, my name is uh, Kojo Sarfo, or Dr. Kojo Sarfo. Um, I'm a, uh, by profession, I'm a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner with my Doctor of Nursing Practice degree. I graduate, I graduated with my DMP from Augusta University. Uh, which is the number one DMP school in the country. So I have to shout out my university. Uh, and I got my DMP last, no, 2019. And then from there, I went to Virginia and I was working in forensic psychiatry for the past 16 months. So it's psychiatry, but it was within the forensic, you know, um, uh, environment where I had patients who were coming from jail. And these are guys who had committed some crimes. And because of their time, uh, their mental state at the time of the offense, a lot of them were like, not guilty by reason of insanity. So uh, the majority of my patients, you know, a lot of schizophrenics, uh, schizoaffective bipolar disorder, um, major depression, uh, did have a lot of ADHD as well, um, a lot of patients on the spectrum. Uh, and one of my uh, focuses that, one of the things I focus on on TikTok is ADHD because that's something that I struggle with myself. Uh, so seeing the effects of untreated ADHD and uh, even like working back in forensic psychiatry, like somebody will come and see me because maybe they maybe they hurt somebody or killed somebody or something like that because of bipolar disorder. But you can have bipolar and ADHD as well, or bipolar can look like ADHD. So uh, ADHD has always been something that I've been passionate about. And I feel like if people don't, you know, take care of the ADHD, can, it can lead to you know, a lot of things that could negatively impact your life. So those are some of the things I talk about on TikTok. And I, I aim to, you know, make it lighthearted by doing little dances and things like that uh, to get people's attention. And once they get their attention, I can talk about, you know, a very serious issue that um, affects a lot of people and something that's very treatable. So I think it would be a shame if people didn't go out and get the help that they needed because they could, you know, once people get the treatment that they need, they often look back retrospectively and they're like you know what well, what would I have done if I had gotten help sooner you know so my goal is to get people to get that help uh, as soon as possible right and uh so I I can speak personally about that that uh I didn't realize that 
uh, I had so many ADHD symptoms. So right now at the, at the moment I'm undiagnosed, but after talking to a handful of people, I feel really good that, uh, that there's a really a chance that I'll end up being diagnosed once I get tested. Um, and a lot of it had to do with your content. I appreciate a lot that. Of people, a lot of people don't realize that there, uh, there, there's a lot of links between people with ADHD, with the work that you do, mm-hmm. and people who end up in toxic relationships with the work that I do. And so I, a part of me was not surprised. Um, but so I can speak on my end. The reason why that is, is that people who are on the cluster B spectrum, people who are narcissistic, people who are toxic, will use your vulnerability as a weapon against you. Yeah. Um, you know, but can you speak and, and elaborate maybe uh, about toxic relationships and, or relationships as a whole, how that, what ADHD looks like and um, just the overall impact of possibly undiagnosed or untreated ADHD, what does it look like? Right. So, you know, with ADHD, you can have, you know, you can be somebody who is more hyperactive or more inattentive. And uh, in relationships, a lot of times, people who have ADHD, so it may take you longer to do certain things. You might forget certain commitments. You might forget uh, an important birthday or an anniversary or something that you promised your your girlfriend or your wife that you were going to do, you know, and you might put a reminder down, like, okay, I'm going to take out the trash on Tuesday night. I promise I'll do it. And then you might forget to do it. And then if your 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 partner doesn't know that you're struggling with ADHD, they might see, oh, you're lazy or you decide not to do this because you don't care. You want me to do all the chores in the house. You don't care about me. You never follow through. Like people with ADHD are going to be used to hearing things such as, oh, you never follow through on your word. You never say, you're not consistent. You know, I never know what to expect from you. You know, you don't care about me. And when you say things to people who have ADHD, a lot of times they'll take things personally. So they'll be easily offended, you know, so it's not making the situation any better because I'm here. I forgot to do this. And because you thought that I did that to like piss you off, you're coming back at me. And then I'm being more, I'm sensitive naturally because of the ADHD, because when you have some like ADHD, you've gone through like your whole life in school, like you're always behind on things. It took you longer to complete assignments. You have to question if you're actually dumb or if something was going on. So you're naturally defensive. So you have all these issues. And sometimes a small thing in a relationship becomes this huge thing. And when you're in a relationship with somebody and there's an issue, it should really be you and the person versus the issue. But when you're button heads, it's you versus them and it's become a war and nobody's going to back down. And then you're going to move past that issue, but then you're going to bring it back up in the, in the future. Like, oh, Remember that time in June when you disrespected me? You remember you forgot my anniversary? And until people can put a name on what's going on and see that it's not their fault, because ADHD is not an excuse to not, you know, be the best boyfriend or husband that you can be. But once you know that something is going on, then the two of you all can sit down and say, okay, this is what's going on. I'm struggling with this. And then people are more relieved because you're like, okay, it's not a character flaw. It's not the fact that I want to be consistent. It's just that. I didn't have the tools to help me out. Once you get the tools, whether it's medication or therapy or meditation, once you get the tools, you can be a more effective version of yourself. It doesn't cure everything, but like people who have gone from, you know, undiagnosed to getting treatment, like it's been like night and day. It's a game changer uh, that, for real. That's, uh, that's powerful. And, uh, and love how you bring to light 
what it would look like in a healthy relationship where two people attacking a solution together. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a uh, you know in a toxic and an unhealthy relationship, they're they're going to use that as a weapon against you and consistently bring up your past. And and a lot of people that I work with, they you know with narcissists, they all you already feel like you are the problem anyway because of right. because of the codependency. Mm-hmm. And then when there's hints of truth there, you know that you did yeah. forget that you did you know, and you don't realize that you have undiagnosed ADHD. Uh, it becomes a, a very scary like cycle and you begin to spiral. It actually makes the healing process a lot more lengthy as well. Yeah. Um, what, what type of, when you diagnose or when you have this conversation with people, mm-hmm. do you end up seeing like relief from them? Does it like, uh, what, what type of impact does it have when someone is officially diagnosed with something like that? Is it, does it, are they shocked or is this like, this makes more sense? A lot of times people are like, I knew it. They're like, oh, I knew it. But, and, and you know, it's subjective. Like we go off of what people report, you know? So someone's not going to walk in and say, oh, I've been dealing with this and I've been dealing with, uh, you know, depression, anxiety because I can't get myself organized. You're, you're not going to hear that and say, I don't believe you. Like you're going to listen to them. And once you come up with a diagnosis and taking a full evaluation, a lot of times you'll hear them say, wow, like, I knew this was always going on. I just didn't know what to call it, you know, like, but they've been known this for years and years, but because you don't know what to call it or you don't know what's happening, you end up compensating for it as best as you can. Some ways are unhealthy, some ways might be healthy, but you just have to compensate with it as best as you can. But people are normally, they're not shocked or surprised, but they're more so relieved. Some people are, you know, get quite emotional and, and tearful because it's a pretty big deal. It's it's truly life-changing. And in psychiatry, like a lot of the medications are frustrating because we give an antidepressant. It takes sometimes three to six weeks for it to work. So pe- people are going, is it, am I getting better? Am I getting worse? You know, sometimes the mood stabilizer is a hit or, hit or miss. But with the stimulants, like out of all the medications in psychiatry, in my opinion, those are some of the most effective. Like when they work, it works to change somebody's life. Like people are able to actually get the help that they need sometimes it doesn't work you know because it's not 100 percent. but when it, it works people are able to focus on a certain task at hand and it's it's truly life-changing in, in my opinion like you can go from night to day just like that and when people see that like it's not just the person who's relieved it's their their kids you know it's their spouses like everybody is like so relieved that like this is a life-changing thing i don't know how else to say it. it's truly life-changing do you uh so uh, on my end, when I'm working with someone, a lot of times they grieve, like if they, let's say they've been in a toxic narcissistic relationship for 20 years, they end up grieving that time period that they were with them because they're like, mm-hmm. wasted all my good years with this person. I did this, I did that. Do you see a lot of that with, uh, with ADHD? Like, you know, I've been unfocused for, like for me, it, you know, I'll be going on 40 years, right? If I, if I am diagnosed and, you know, for others, you know, I'm not sure, you know, your oldest patient, um, you know, obviously it's, a lot of children are diagnosed with it, but when it, right. people are diagnosed as an adult and they think about the failed classes, they think about the failed yeah. businesses and the times they've gotten written up and possibly like let go from a job or the failed relationships. Uh, do you do you see a lot of grief or what does that look like? No, no, I, I, I do see a lot of you know grief, a lot of you know people feeling you know some type of you know remorse for like uh, their past, you know and. 
I've seen people 40s and even people into their early 50s diagnosed or, you know, they they realize that they have ADHD and, you know, after getting checked, checked out and they never knew their whole life. So they were conversating as best as they could. And a lot of times they'll look back and say, oh, wow, I took this test this many times. I couldn't get it right. I fell out of this class. And sometimes like it gets deep, you know, like people say, oh, my like could my parents not help me out i was drowning this whole time like why didn't anybody help me you know but it, it's difficult because you can play that game but like all we have is the present you know but a lot of times people will look back and say and even for me personally you know like in my book i talk about uh being diagnosed with uh ADHD in grad school which is where a lot of adults get a diagnosis because for the first time in their life they're having to deal with school and work and family and relationships. And it's no longer just school, like in grade school, or maybe undergrad, where it's just, you know, school and maybe a part-time job. But like when you're working full-time, and you're, like you have all these commitments, uh, that's where you see the, the diagnosis sometimes with adults. So for me, like I was looking back and I was like, you know, I told my mom, like, hey mom, like this is going on. And she's like, you know, we'll, we'll pray about it. You know, and she would pray and she's like, oh, you're the healed of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And I'm yeah. looking around like, I'm still not better, but like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess I'm better, you know, and yeah. I'll just like do the, the best that I could. But, um, you know, once like I got my diagnosis, I was like, it just made sense, you know? And at that point, my, my mom still didn't understand. Like literally she's like, Oh, does this mean something's wrong with you? Or I'm like, no, I just, you know, this is something I struggle with and they give you medications for it, you know, to try and see if you're going to you know feel better and, and be more, focus and not forget things and do things on time, get to bed on time. Um, and it took her a long time to, I'm not even sure if she, she understands it now, mm-hmm. but she respects like everything that I do. But it, you know, we come from you know, Ghana, West Africa originally. So mm-hmm. it takes a long time for them to understand, you know, cause back, you know, culturally there is no mental illnesses, right? Yeah. There's no, it's just like, it's either. It's just, a, it's just, that's just, that's just straight up in our community. Anyway, it's not yeah. even just, uh, it's yeah. not even just in Ghana or anything. It's, uh, it's just a black community that, right. you know, it's, uh, either we'll pray about it. Like you just talked about it, yeah. uh, talked about, or, um, go lay down, take a nap and you'll feel better when you get up. Uh, here's some ginger ale, um, mm-hmm. you know, but mental illness to, to even bring that up or to say to our parents that we're depressed or we're struggling with something, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the, even the possibility of going to therapy or going to, you know, is just so foreign. Yeah. And, and, and we need to change the narrative. And I think there's nothing braver than somebody who speaks up for themselves. Like the person who speaks up for themselves and goes to, you know, the extremes to, to take care of themselves, that's a person who has longevity. Yeah. That's the person who can take care of themselves. And even last year during the pandemic, like I went to therapy for the first time myself. Like I mm-hmm. always said, I'll go therapy, I'll go therapy. And then I never did it. And I said, well, when I, I get a good job and I, I start making money, I'll go therapy. And I never went to therapy. I said, mm-hmm. you know what, I'm gonna go therapy. I need to get uh, a perspective from somebody who is not connected to me in any way, either financially or emotionally or like through friendship and get their take on how I'm doing. What can I do better? Mm-hmm. You know, and I learned that. I say the word try a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, my, ther- my therapist told me that she knew I wasn't going to work, work on the morning because I said, I'm going to try and wake up at six o'clock and work out. So I learned to be more intentional. And that's a trait that I'm using to this day off of that one therapy session, you know? Mm-hmm. And I went a couple of times and it was very effective. But when I told my sister, 
she's like, oh, are you okay? And I, I know you're by yourself in Virginia and then, you know, like, you know, just you and your dog. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. And I'm getting therapy. And then after, by the end of the conversation, me and my sister, she was like, you know what? Well, I have been kind of feeling anxious about this. Maybe I should, you know, uh-huh. so it takes that one person to be brave and just say, man, screw it. I, I, I'll go ahead and get the help that I need. I, I have a feeling that there's a lot of people listening because a lot of the people listening to this, hearing these ADHD diagnoses and realizing that maybe they have some of these traits, but they're also in a toxic, possibly in a toxic relationship. How do, how does one tell the difference? Is this me? Is this my fault? Am I the one causing all this because of this undiagnosed ADHD? Or is there a bigger problem? Or is it a combination of both? How would someone be able to tell? I would say it would be pretty difficult to tell. And it could be a combination of the, the both. And you want to be accountable for, you know, everything that's going on. So you never want to use like, a, you know, a diagnosis to excuse something like, you know, with ADHD, you can be impulsive sometimes. So you never want to Say, oh, I have ADHD. That's why I cheated on you with five women. Right. No, but it's the small things. Take being easily, um, being so sensitive. You know, because like that was a thing for me in past relationships. Like being easily, like I felt like I was disrespected. And then when you feel that way, it's easy for you to be like, oh well, maybe I should go here or I should go there. Mm-hmm. So you have to take accountability for everything. But then the person that you're with needs to know, hey. Like if you're with somebody and you're going to date them seriously, you know, they, I would say that person needs to know, hey, like I struggle with this. You know, this is a part of my life. It's not an excuse for what I do, but, you know, like I do struggle with time management. You know, like I would get to places late all the time, you know, like anniversaries, like big things. I, I would get there, forget my wallet because I was in a hurry, you know, out there asking if they accept Apple Pay on my phone. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I think the, I've done that twice this week. You know, yeah. but it's it's this part of our, our life. So yeah. and, and once the per like if you love somebody and you're with them and you're in a committed long term relationship, whether it's marriage or it's a long term partnership, they need to know because then they can help you out too. Like a small reminders, they might say, Hey, I know you have this meeting in the morning. Why don't you iron your stuff the day before? Why don't you put this in your car? Mm-hmm. You know, why don't you like you find ways to compensate. Like I'll leave like a book bag. I used to leave a book bag in my office mm-hmm. that had everything that I needed. Mm-hmm. So I would get in and then like before every day, like at work, because you would have uh, admissions, discharges. Um, if you don't call the pharmacy ahead of time, I'll be sending a patient home and they'll have no medications. I can't do that. That's unprofessional. Yeah. So I'll compensate for, I'll have like a to-do list like the day before and I would just take care of things and before you know it, like when I walk in the next day, everything's already done because I didn't have to think about it on the day of. So like when you do have the energy to organize yourself, you do these things. Or if you're in a relationship with somebody, you let them know, hey, I have this thing coming up and I'm not sure if I can manage this, this and that. So can you remind me to show up here? Because if you, if you tell somebody, hey, I can't struggle with this, then they'll be more forgiven. But if you don't communicate and you're just showing up late, then you know it goes into where were you last night you know mm-hmm. like you, you don't respect me you don't care about our relationship you know so speaking from speaking from personal experience um people with adhd can zone out at times you know? right and uh you know that's a big one for me is i'll zone out and what are you thinking about 
must be thinking about somebody mm-hmm. else and this kind of, and <laughs> right. starts spinning out of control. Um, right. you know, but what are, what would you say are some common misconceptions when it comes to ADHD? So I, I would say a lot of times people think that when you're a, like when people think of ADHD, they either think of like the really, really hyper young kid who can't sit still, mm-hmm. or they think about somebody who's like completely zoned out. But, you know, the same way we have high functioning anxiety and high functioning depression, you know, not diagnosed, but yeah. in, in terms of a concept, you can have AD, you can have combined ADHD, you can have symptoms of, uh, you know, being impulsive or being inattentive. And you can, some people compensate for it so well that you wouldn't know that they're struggling. So like people think that if you have ADHD that you can't be productive, mm-hmm. which is a, is a lie. There's a lot of people who have ADHD and they're extremely productive and mm-hmm. it would appear as if they don't have anything going on. But the, 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 the thing here is they'll be productive, just as productive as you maybe, if not more, but they'll be more exhausted. Mm-hmm. It takes so much more brain work to do mm-hmm. what, like if you get uh, like, if you're hundred percent productive in eight hours and they're like 120% productive in eight hours, like they're just ha- killing it. They're doing great. Yes, they're doing fine, but it's taking them so much brain work, like reminders everywhere, stuff uh, like little phone um, reminders going off, having to show up to places two hours ahead of time or an hour ahead of time to make sure that they get there in time, like taking laptops and, and notebooks and like always be like, you're gonna be mentally like fried because you're so exhausted, your brain has to work twice as hard to do the simple things. So you can get things done, but then, you know, leading up to that ADHD burnout, like you get to the point where you're just tired because your brain's been spinning so fast trying to keep up with like the simple tasks. Right. So people can suffer in silence and not get the help that they need yeah. because they might not know what's going on or nobody sees that they're struggling. So somebody might tell you, you don't have ADHD. It's just a, a myth or you've just been watching people on TV. Like you're not struggling because right. they don't see that you're having to work so hard to get the simple things done. We have to wrap up here shortly, but um, before we get off, tell us a little bit more about your book. Uh, so my book uh, is called You Already Won, uh, and it's my uh, it's sort of like a memoir, but at the same time, I'm talking about the importance of mental health awareness. Uh, there's a couple of themes in the book which are important, such as you know not worrying about the opinions of other people, chasing your dreams, uh, and always believing in yourself. And that's what the book is called, You Already Won, because it's a mindset that you have to live with because you know, n- nobody's coming to hand you anything like you have to go out there and take things in life but you have to believe that you can do something before you you actually do it so uh, it's my book where i talk about going through school you know failing in high school and you know got, not getting into any of the local colleges and um making it to the point where i got a doctorate and you know talking about my adhd and the process and you know uh real quick like i was watching atlanta braves game and then um, the first baseman of the Braves, Adam LaRoche, there was a ground ball hit to him. The ball came to him, and he would have ran to first base and got the guy out quickly. But instead of going to first base, he just kind of jogged it. Like, he zoned out in the middle of, like, a professional sports game. And then the runner beat him to the bag. And then the Braves lost that game. And in the newspaper the next day, everybody was, like, mad at him. Like, what's going on? And it came out that he had ADHD, and he had been struggling with it his whole life. And this, I was in seventh grade at the time. And when that story came out, I knew right then and there, I'm like, I have this thing. Yeah. This is going on. But mm-hmm. I didn't know how to convey it to my my um, my mom and 
back in second grade, the teachers always said, oh, he's a bright kid, but he spaces out like he's in his own world. Yeah. You know, so like I knew something was going on. And from se seventh grade to grad school, I never got the help. Mm -hmm. And it was a lifetime wow. full of struggling, struggling, struggling. And, um, you know, once I got the help, I put that in the book and, you know, to show people my story and, you know, where I came from and hopefully to inspire somebody. And even beyond ADHD, just anybody could be struggling with whatever they have going on. Yeah. Um, the theme is just to keep going and to just keep fighting. Uh, so for everyone who is uh, trying to grab that book, you can find it at uh, kojosafaro.com. Uh, you can also find him and follow him on Instagram, Dr. Kojo Safaro. And on TikTok, Dr. And then there's a period, Kojo Safaro on TikTok as well. Thank you very much for joining us. But before you go, you you uh, you triggered something with with me. Just give us one little tidbit on not worrying about other people's opinion of you. Let's go with the people that are closest to us because that's always I think that's always harder. Exactly. And I was going to get to that because yeah. the people that are closest to you, that's the most difficult part yeah. because these are people that you love. You respect their opinions, you know, so I'm talking about your girlfriend, your wife, fiance, your mom, your dad, your siblings. Yeah. It's difficult because when they don't agree with your opinion, you almost feel like you're a bad person or you, you feel like you're detached from your identity. Mm -hmm. You know, so sometimes you have to stand up to the people closest to you and say, hey, I feel this way about this and this is who I am. And uh, initially you're going to get some backlash, mm -hmm. uh, but they will respect you uh, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate all the work that you do. Uh, we're going to have to catch a Lakers game. Um, sure. Maybe, maybe once, they, once they get into the bubble, I'm not sure. But, well, I don't think we can get into the bubble, but uh, we'll figure uh, something out. But maybe when the Mavericks come to, come to L.A., we'll figure something out. For sure, bro. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah.